Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jody Mullen. Welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This is a series of podcasts dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and just honestly be their best. Um, I'm in this unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and a play therapist um, for over 25 years. I'm also a mom. I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, so I'm a mom of two teenagers. Um, I learned many lessons from my child clients and my own kids along the way. And so this informed my parenting um, myself, but it also informed the way I do parent coaching and consulting as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents, but there are just really some simple principles for parenting. I'm pretty excited because I'm going to be sharing them with um, a wonderful group of parents coming up in New Hampshire, um, in Plainfield, New Hampshire, this uh, in this week. So um, I get to do that live and in person. Um, we'll cover more than the 20 principles for uh, blissful parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and life altering. They will enhance and change the relationships you have with children, and that impacts how children behave. You'll just feel better about yourself around children and improve your overall um, parenting esteem. So lots of good things happen uh, regarding this. So today I am lucky enough to have my friend and colleague, uh, Penny Lupo, join me again. This is, I think, the third time Penny's joined me on the podcast. I love having her along. Um, so, Penny, let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Penny is a mental health counselor. She's also a play therapist, a yoga instructor, has tons and tons of um, experience working in early childhood um, as an educator, and she's the proud mom of Aaron. Welcome, Penny. Hello. How are you? I'm good today. I'm good today. Today, um, good. Let, the last podcast, <laughs> Thanks for asking. Uh, the last podcast that we did, um, we talked about fertility and infertility, and the you know, and some of the things um, about that that you know impact um, that impact parenting and the ability to parent in some ways. And so today, um, we thought we you and I talked more after that. Oh, there's so much more we can talk about. So that's really um, what we're what we're going to be focusing on today. And if you want um, to get more information um, about like what Penny's story and what she has to offer with regard um, to this is that you want to check out her blog at embracinghealing.com. So um, lots of good things happening. So I thought um, that what we could really focus today was something, you know, you and I had talked about privately was like, it's just that, Sometimes it's just like the every single day kind of things that um, people who aren't struggling with fertility challenges get to take for granted. And so sort of highlighting those. So whether you're a person who is um, struggling right now with the fertility, with fertility challenges or you're a person connected to somebody who is, is that this, I think this podcast really ha- will have a lot um, of richness for you. So um, Penny, what do you, what would you say is the one thing like that you really want people to know um, that 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 you felt like that that got taken for granted as you were navigating the world? 
Um, I think one of the things that I felt um, the most was sort of like, like in the moment, like everybody, it's like almost as if the world that you navigate prior to this crisis, Mm -hmm. um, you just navigate it, right? So everything's normal, (laughs) everything's typical, right? right? You know, your friends, you do whatever. But then as soon as this type of crisis comes up, everything starts to change. And with that, I'm saying not the first time, not, you know, not the first six months, even maybe, you know, maybe you start, I feel like it builds over time. So at Mm -hmm. the beginning, it may look very different than it does maybe three years later or four years later or post uh, miscarriage or some sort of loss along the way. Um, Okay. So I, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Well, because there's so much in what you just said. So I want to highlight two things, if I may. One is the word crisis seems really important here um, is that I think that is one thing that people certainly would take for granted. Even those of us who are mental health professionals may take for granted that it is a crisis because it changes how you see the world. Absolutely. It changes everything about the world. (laughs) Okay. Right. So let's just like let that sit for one second. Right. And just like, okay. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing uh, that now, yeah, the other thing that you said in there that I thought was also um, really important is that that even though um, we may be aware of um, our friends and family members and even um, parents of children that we see clinically, um, that they're going through this challenge is I think that um, it kind of um, fades in for the people around that person. So it doesn't fade for you and your partner as you're going through it because it, it lasts for, you know, forever, really. Um, even, yeah. uh, but but it's um, in terms of like how other people view it, it fades for them. But you don't get that luxury when you're going through it. No, absolutely. Because it's almost as if, like I had this experience when I was um, in, I was working in an office setting and with people, um, contemporary people, people in the age group, age range where they would be getting married, having children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, five years later, I'm still child, childless at that point. Right. That's how I viewed it at that point. Um, and still right. trying and they're all moving on. So now what do I talk to them about? It's a very weird uh-huh. dynamic and uh-huh. that I am completely happy for them, of course. But it doesn't take away the pain and the sadness for you. So when there's a baby shower invite, which is a typical everyday thing, that's a painful experience because you don't want to lose the friend, right? And you don't want to not do the the quote-unquote right thing. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, to do the right thing may may make it more difficult in the end. Yeah. Um, In terms of like emotionally. It's very complicated and it's hard to navigate. Yeah, and complex. And I think that's, you know, like, that's why, um, you know, you and I talk about behind the scenes. Oh, my gosh, there's so much to talk about here. Um, (laughs) You know, and so there's some of these, you know, again, like, um, just being um, at a particular age or in a particular setting and having, like, having this reminder, but, uh, but still trying to, like, be part be part of the rest of the world. And, and that was like, in what you just explained, that was kind of shining for me through was that like, even 
like even though you're like you know you're um, a contributing member to society, you're at work, you have friends, is that there's some of the things that are going on with your friends and the people that you work with and and that kind of thing that you feel really isolated and disconnected about. Absolutely. And you can't, it's one of those situations where you don't really want to say it out loud, right? (laughs) Because people are going to think like you're, you know, people are, people are by nature judgmental. All you have to do is Mm -hmm. look on Facebook. Um, but one of the, (laughs) true, true story. Um, one of the things, um, that I noticed is at that point now looking back is that it, because there's also no language for this, right? There's no language to explain how it feels. That was probably in and of itself. If I could say anything, that isolation is the piece that probably is the most difficult because there's no language to discuss it and there's no way to express it. And I kept, I actually had a friend say to me, what do you need? And I still to this day, I don't know because there's nothing that they could have said, nothing that they could have done. There wasn't anything, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's complicated (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. So, so I guess because of your unique perspective and being able to do that kind of look back is um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it doesn't sound to me like you wish your friend didn't say what you need, but is no. there something you wish somebody would have said that they didn't say? Back then, like now in hindsight, after doing what I'm doing, there's a lot of things I would have done very differently. Number one, I would have gone to the person. Yeah, absolutely. I would have made my needs known. And by that, I mean, like, instead of like, I I didn't know what to, and I don't think, I think I still hear that now, even from clients. I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's anything anyone can do or say, but I think what, what I often guide people to do at this point, like in, in all kinds of grief and situations like this is what if you just said, this is really hard for me. I want to do something special for you. Could we go to lunch sometime together or could I bring the gift to you? Something like that, because it still gives that person who's having the shower or having the baby, lets them know that you still care about them and are happy for them. But it takes away that very public fear that you're going to cry. Fear of that, like, this feels horrible. I don't want to feel worse. I don't know what to do with all of this. So in that way, I think that had I had had I known now what I knew then um, I think that that would have been a lot easier Mm -hmm. and for friends I think the main thing is just like this is hard and sometimes just being normal is what 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 I would have needed like let's not focus on how to fix this because you're not going to fix it and you know what I mean and I feel like that's what was happening like oh let's do this oh let's it's like no please stop doing that because you're making me feel more other yeah, and it's yeah. well-meaning, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. well, and and I um I think it is important that we um that we do talk about this like in the um you, you know in the bigger picture of grief because that's good advice for people who are grieving just anyway, anyway. right? Right? Yep. It's like yep. that there's really nothing we can do about it. But I think and and tell me um you know if I'm wrong on this, but judging from what you said and my experiences um as a clinician, right, is um and a friend, I guess is just keep asking. Yeah. Like just 
like, don't let it fade yeah. because it, um, because I think that what happens for, for the person on the other end of that kind of, um, that unique kind of grief that, you, that um, goes along with the, these fertility challenges is that it feels like, like everybody, just like it does with other kinds of grief, but like everybody is moving forward with everything and you're still here. Stuck. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you just highlighted that because that's exactly the piece, like even in other grief sessions with different kinds of grief, that's the thing. People forgot, people forgot, you know, like they forgot the person or whatever. And I think it's that acknowledgement that this is really happening and that, that I'm grieving or someone else is grieving, whomever is grieving this loss. And I think that it's like staying connected to it without fear. Right. And I yeah. think and and think that's what leads people to counseling because many I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah. You know, like to have somebody who will sit with you in it without fear of it's it's almost like it's overwhelming for all the people. Do you know what I mean? Like any grief. Yeah. I'm not saying even just this grief. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um yeah, I, I was thinking too, it's like it's about how to be you know, um for the people connected, it's about how to be more sensitive and thoughtful, um, you know, about yeah. what they're going through. Because one of the, so um, again, I'll just kind of demystify our behind the scenes is, you know, one of the things that you um, shared with me was, you know, it just examples of things that are tough to navigate on like the everyday kind of um, regular basis. And, and like, this is a, like, and I know this isn't a comprehensive list that you gave me, but I was just thinking about, mm-hmm. like, you talked about baby showers, but, you know, another thing that you mentioned was, like, um, people putting their sono pictures up on social media. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a little bit, what that's like? Yeah, that's very difficult because, and even to this day, and I'm, like, many years beyond this, and I am a mother, but um, yeah. even to this day, it's still gives me that tinge and here's why what happens is it's almost like there's this part of you um, and I don't know I can't speak for all I can only speak for my experience because I was did not have a biological child but I think Mm -hmm. that um, it's difficult to see it because though you're very excited and happy you didn't get to see that you don't know what your baby looks like would have looked like right you don't know the gen you know how it would have like how the genes would have displayed you know what color hair all of that so you don't have that piece and while at some level um and you didn't get to have a normal actually I was speaking with um a friend about a year ago and it was like 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 the whole normal piece like the whole normal happy thing didn't exist And I think once that innocence is lost, right? Right. Um, I mean, I, and I think that I hear this from a lot of different people over the years, even clients is that like, I didn't get the, the, the fairy tale pregnancy, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that comes into play when you see something like that. And another thing that happens oftentimes, like, and I don't know if, if, like in my experience is that, it's like, oh my God, I hope this is this is far along and that it's okay. I actually get scared for the person. Like, oh my God, I hope everything goes okay. And it's so yeah. absurd, but that's how it how it goes for me. Um, and I don't know if other people feel that way, but that does happen. So, um, yeah, so you're bringing in like another factor is like it um, because you have 
it sounds like there's like a, a, a fear part that just is, you know, kind of rather than you see the Sano picture and you go like, oh, you, you know, like how cool you go like, uh oh, something could happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's probably a, that's, I don't know if that's specific to me or if that happens to everyone, but I do, I do feel like other people have mentioned that. Yeah. I like know, when, I'm, you know, when people share mm-hmm. early. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. I think, you know, people who've experienced um, miscarriages and things like that, that, you know, mm-hmm. that I've worked with. Um, and, and so for, excuse me, definitely for people who have had fertility challenges, but people who have experienced um, also specifically miscarriages and stillbirths, I think that that's similarly that, you know, when people post those sono pictures, like that's, you know, it's it's concerning. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, and then, uh, go ahead, sorry. Nope, you can go. (laughs) Oh, Okay. So I was gonna, um, I was looking at like some of the other things that I was thinking about, um, mm-hmm. or that we had maybe talked about before I sent to you. Um, like even when you go, so you've got the sonogram, but you've got like um, when you're navigating the world around you, you've got like yeah. going to the doctor, and right. you, let's say you go to a new doctor or dentist, and they say how many live pregnancies have you had or live births. Yeah. And yeah. it's always such an awkward thing, like, oh, well, um, but they never ask you about how many you've lost or never ask you any of that. It's only right. like, so that's another like reminder. And mm-hmm. I think that's the key. It's like, there's all, all of these reminders throughout life that you don't expect. Yeah. You're driving down the road, you hear a song. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, that was on during that. You know what I mean? And I right. think that that's true of all loss, you know, sure. um, but I do think that that's, that's something else that's very difficult um, yeah, to navigate. That, yeah, that there's all these, uh, you know, and again, I mean, I, I know I'm being somewhat repetitive that, you know, it's things that um, people, other people have the luxury of taking for granted, but when you're in that place, mm-hmm. you can't. Um, and so how, um, and and obviously there's uh, like so many other things and I, I do want to touch oh, on absolutely. To, um, highlight them for um, mm-hmm. people who may be going through this right now and feel pretty alone and isolated. But, the, but mm-hmm. um, I also think that one of the things they can benefit from is your, like your wisdom and your navigation of this. So like, what, what are some things that have worked for you um, over the years, um, you know, that can, that ground you and so that you don't, that you don't get all caught up in your, in the grief or overwhelmed okay. or flooded with? Is that a fair question okay. to ask? Absolutely. Um, okay. Of course, everybody has their 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 anniversaries of different things, and you know, this something might trigger an old feeling or whatever. But I think one of the things, and you know, it's funny because I didn't have any knowledge back then of mental health at all, mm-hmm. in terms of like you know ways to help yourself, and self care was not a thing in the nineties yeah. that I remember anyway. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> I think I just was living. I was in my twenties, you know. So yeah, anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things here's here's something that I've learned over the years, and I think that this would be super helpful because um, I did see um, a creative arts therapist who who focused on dance therapy, of which I did mm-hmm. not do that, but at least I learned more about how your body responds. One right. of the things I'm thinking about is I remember thinking like this. Okay. So I want you to think about it this way. Think about a place in your house that like when you're there, 
Uh Um, It's like the most comfortable place and like your whole body is just completely relaxed and you just get that warm feeling inside. Like you're just in your comfort zone, right? Maybe you got your favorite mug, you're reading a book or whatever it is you like to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. That place. Okay. So words to describe that place would be, I don't know, peaceful, calm, yeah, I was just comfortable thinking, in your um, own body. Um, yeah. Centered, grounded, okay. like just ah. Yeah, they're perfect. <laughs> ah, that's the perfect description. Okay. Your whole body is in that place. Okay. Right. When this crisis begins, you start to do what with your body? Because it isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. You start to, yeah. Yeah. So all of the tension comes and all of those things happen. And, um, Actually, for many people, they start to dislike their body. They don't trust it anymore. Yeah. They start to get angry at it. It's not working. It's um, you're them. doing everything. Hmm? It's deceived them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is true of other things. Yeah. So it's not yeah. doing what it's supposed to be doing. So there's some level of tension in there. And there's like this, yeah. like, like, almost like you're just a brain now fighting with your body. <laughs> to get it to work right, right? Like that's kind of how it becomes. So think about this. Um, And that was one of the things that I noticed that happened to me in that process. And that was one of the things that came up for me when I went to therapy was like, I can never get to that feeling ever again, Um, which is not true today. Um, It was true then, but it's not today. And it took me Mm -hmm. many years to figure it out. One of the things you can do is yoga. Okay. That was the best night's sleep I had ever gotten the first time I went. Um, yeah. After the that whole thing began, you know, you can do things like mindfulness stuff, yoga, relaxation yeah. stuff. You can exercise if you're an at not yoga's not for everybody. Some people might right. need to go run or right. do Zumba or you know, there's all well, of that. But and part of it is ahead. figuring that out too, right? It's like okay, what is yeah, gonna work? <laughs> and what's going to work for me this time? Because you know, yeah. maybe. maybe on Monday a run works for me, but on <laughs> Wednesday I need something different. Yeah. So I think what I often tell clients to do and what I, what I do now for myself mostly um, is to pay attention to things in your environment that give you a glimmer of that feeling. And it doesn't have to be the total feeling because we're never going to get there all at once. Right. Because it didn't happen all at once. So like little glimmers of that feeling, is it something you saw at a store is it some texture that you felt? Is it, I don't know, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, a special mug. I don't know. But in your environment, anywhere you are throughout the week, I often have mm-hmm. them do it on a weekly basis. It's like, I want you, that you're going to become an investigator, get a bag of sticky notes, and I want you to just write down what made you feel that way. Yeah. Because those are the things that when we combine them together, we can start to recover a little bit of that here yeah. and there because that might be all you can do right now. But eventually, hopefully the goal is that it will become more extended. Right. So that's one thing. Yeah. And that's like, it also, um, you know, as you're saying that and I'm kind of picturing that process, it it really does sound like a beautiful process um, because it's connecting mind, body, and spirit all together, you know, and and kind of Mm -hmm. situating you in a place of, of health and wellness, even as you're struggling. Right. And then the other thing with that, what's cool with that, too, is think about the lack of identity, right? We talked about this Mm -hmm. before in the wellness wheel, your identity becomes challenged. 
you need to refigure out who you are. You you haven't lost yourself. You just feel like you've lost yourself. Right. Right. Sometimes yeah. when this thing happens, like what I thought was going to be didn't happen in the way I thought, or it's not currently. Um, so I think that that can also become something where you can figure out what's still there because there's parts of you that are still there, even though parts mm-hmm. of you have changed. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking, uh, I was linking this just to, um, you know, other kinds of grief, which is um, more specifically like an area that I have expertise in. And I was thinking about, you know, all the ways that that can be triggered, but where people really, you know, sort of get into trouble mental health wise and frequently then need to come to see, um, you know, one of us is that that becomes how they define themselves. So it moves from like, mm-hmm. this is something that's going on in my life. This is a challenge that I have. This is a crisis that I'm in to that. This is what, who I am. And, and I think, um, yes. you know, when I hear you saying that, I think what, what you're saying that prevents is um, it might be defining moments in your life. It might be something that has some definition about who you are, but it's not all encompassing. Exactly. Um, it's like, I, I don't know. You, do you know who Richard Miller is for Yoga Nidra and all of that? I, um, I have. Okay. It's, it's really cool. It's um, he uses it for PTSD um, yoga. Mm-hmm. Nidra. It's like a meditation thing. Anyway, yeah. there's a tape, like I, bought his tape once and what he said was and I think it was him if it wasn't him it was someone else um I don't remember now it's been so many years ago but um one of the things they said was instead of saying I am anxious say anxiety is present because it doesn't encompass all of you there's a part of you that's still stable right right right. and I think that we don't get we get caught up in the emotion of it yeah, um, and, myself and, included. And so thinking, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. Um, I was thinking too, is like what happens is then the crisis of um, um, that for the fertility crisis then hijacks your system. So like, um, yeah. you know, one of the things you have on your list is when you meet new people and they say, do you have children? And then it, it's like, ah, uh, like a punch in the stomach and it hijacks your system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's an awkward moment because you say no, they turn their head and start talking to someone else. Oh. It's kind of like that, you know, it's, yeah. So that becomes tricky. So now it's like, oh, so what does that mean? You know what I mean? Right. Even though it doesn't really mean anything. Right. But you <laughs> You're meeting new people, right? Right, right. But I think that's, you know, it's like that's exactly where you go is like, um, is like I I don't know how to navigate this anymore because I don't what like what's the right answer? It's almost like you know one of the things that I feel like I'm hearing in you is um say is it's like you're almost trying to protect people from their from themselves <laughs> like that they take for granted because um how you probably really want to answer the question when you're going through fertility crisis of and someone asks you do you have children is very different than how you do answer the question. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. You probably kind yeah. of sugarcoat it, if at all, um, you know, to make other- Yeah, you're trying to keep it private because it's, it's yeah. some sort of, like, embarrassment there or guilt and shame. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially yeah. if you're the one with the issue, you know, so right. there's that, too. So you're trying to protect everybody all at once. And as as absurd as that sounds, um it's it's some it's like that question is it easier just to say yes i'm good and then move on and right. you know what i mean so the focus isn't on that because then how do you describe it how do you explain it and nobody wants to fall into a puddle of tears in the in the middle of 
a gathering. You know what I mean? So there's all of that as well. Well, and I would think it's both ends. You know, it's like sometimes it's this, sometimes you feel like this, and sometimes you, you know, you feel different than that. Yeah. Um, yeah we just have absolutely. A, little, a tiny bit left, but I wanted to um, just actually even just list some of the things that you put on here as like things that are tough to navigate in the everyday world because um, I think that people who are like new to this crisis might not even recognize this, and then it kind of it hijacks them. I'll go back to that word. So, you know, you talked about new doctors and the questionnaires about baby showers, Mm -hmm. about social media and like particularly Sonopix about mother's day, that mother's day that becomes a trigger um, that Mm -hmm. um, going shopping and they have like sections of the store that are specific to babies Um, watching the news and seeing how um, some children are, um, you know, abused and neglected and, and, you know, and just seeing that, um, friends and family have all having children and feeling left out. And this one, um, but I feel, I feel like just my clients have taught me a lot about this and, um, you know, and, and I had shared with you, like it, it took my husband and I a year, um, to, you know, get pregnant with our first child. And, you know, that, that, like I had some empathy from that year was a kind of felt like a hard year, but this one, um, mm-hmm. like I was like, Oh, I didn't think of this, that, um, when taxes, <laughs> that when you do your yeah. taxes, you get a reminder about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, Isn't that crazy? Then, <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, um, so, you know, again, I kind of, we're, we rushed through that. So of course, Penny and I will come back and talk about this. Um, <laughs> So thank you, Penny. And, um, you know, I, I just thank think you. this is really something so important. And make sure you check out um, Penny's blog on embracinghealing.com. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. Take bye-bye. care. Okay, bye.